What is abuse? It comes from two words, abnormal use. If you don't know who you are, or you think you do and you're wrong, you're going to abuse yourself. But more than that, if you don't know what the person next to you, your neighbor, your spouse, your brother, your sister, your children, other people that work with you, if you don't know what their identity is and what God intended for them, what will you do? You will abuse them. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. Yes, Jesus, we declare and we decree that you are God. You are the living God, the only God. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, Father God. We honor you. We give you all the glory, all the honor all the grace. You are awesome, Father. You are awesome. You are awesome, Lord Jesus. As we stay in an atmosphere of worship, I just wanted my friend here, Harvey, to to share an encouragement with each and every one of us. It's something that God showed him from the Word that's so powerful, so beautiful. And in these times when many of us are going through challenging stuff, this was a powerful Word that's very in season that I thought he needs to share with us. So, Harvey, thank you, my brother. Thanks, Alex. Oh, what an amazing um, privilege what we, that I can share this with you. And this is for each one of you and at home, those that has gone through um, a time of trouble. You know, I think that the enemy is in this time of isolation got it right um, to say that you should not go through difficulty. In isolation, he gets it right that we sit at home and we think, is this just happening to me, my business, my marriage? Am I the one struggling? And you know, I want to encourage you today with an amazing word. In Isaiah 40, it says that I want to first show you this question. It says, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my just claim is passed over me, O God. And he says, is it just me? And it says, later on, it says, Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. It, it is not, it, even in the word it says that that will happen. But then the encouragement comes. It says, He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, He increases their strength. How? But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Who of you have read that before? Wait on the Lord. And I'm starting to think, I was in, what does it mean to wait on the Lord? So if you go and go to an urban dictionary or anywhere and you go put that word wait in its normal form, which is the Hebrew, it says the word kavah. Q-A-V-A-H. Kavah. And it says it constitutes a notion of twisting, binding together, and stretching. It is like a rope that's twisted, binded together, asked with Christ, binded together, and that gives it its strength. But that word kavah, I want to I just unpack that quickly for you. Let me explain it to you this way. It's like when you go abseiling. Now, who has gone abseiling? Okay, so you're standing at the top. Now, you see all the equipment. You see this rope. Do you hope that that rope can hold you? Yeah. I look at it and I go, oh, wish. Okay, with my body weight, please. And then you start abseiling. And you start going back. And you start going back. This is exactly the translation of that word weight. Listen to this. And you go back. And you go back. And at that moment where your full weight is in this trust of this binding together, twisting, at that moment, where it goes, 
strength, when it's tight, that's kava. That is kava. The strength in that rope is when I've just let go. And I'm hanging there saying, that weight, that strength, where I wait, where my strength will come from, is me leaning back. And then it says, I will soar like an eagle. Listen to this. The power, the strength of the eagle does not lie in him flapping ferociously. No. They say, pound by pound, kilogram by kilogram, the hummingbird is stronger than the eagle. But it's not in the strength of the eagle being able to flap its wings. It's in its ability to soar. 200 kilometers a day. They, they got an eagle that died of natural causes 20 years later and had a tracker on it. I think it said that he went around the earth equivalent of seven times. It's not in the ability for it to flap its wings, but to soar on the wind. On the thermals that will take it up. On the Holy Spirit that will carry you through that time. When we do that, we can carry on. Then in that is where our strength lies. In that kava moment where I go, it's not about me. It's because of this relationship with you. And I let go. In that moment is where you will see strength in your weakness. Let's hold on to that. Let's wait. Let's kava in the Lord. Father, thank you that we can pray that. Thank you, Father, that we know that when we are weak, your word says you will be our strength. Father, we also know that you say in your word that you cannot lie. And if we build our hope on your promises, Father God, I know that we will soar like eagles, Father God. That we will have height to look at our problems and speak into it. Father, that we can lay back, that we can just lean into that rope intertwined with you in that kavah moment we will have moments of clarity father where your strength will come through father god where it's not us but it's you father we want to say that we fully depend on you father fully depend on that we will soar like eagles not on our own strength not by flapping of our wings but father because of your spirit that will lead us father god as we sing so often help us actually understand what that means for you. We love you with everything that's in us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, Chavi. Let's give God a good praise. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give, our, let's give my wife a big round of applause as well. Beautiful, baby. So good. <laughs> you may be seated. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I'm excited about the word today. Um, I listened back to last week's message, and I just realized it was a really good message. And I'm not, I'm not blowing my own horn. I'm just going like, it's amazing what God is doing and what He is showing us. I listened to that, and it was like I was listening to someone else preaching. And I went like, this is speaking to me. This is blessing me. So listen to the podcast is my point. Um, no, my point is actually that God is helping us to really know who we are in Him. And today we're going to go further into that. All right. For those who are joining us, maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time, um, I want to give us just quickly the context again why we are doing this. We have done a series on foundations where we spoke from the moment of repentance and salvation right through to what does it mean to be discipled and part of a spiritual family. Now, the reason for that is those foundations impact our identity. It impacts everything that we do in life. That's why we started with how does this impact our identity? We're on session two of identity. My wife's going to speak into that to an extent as well, and then we're going to have Pastor Ade, speak on purpose. And then we're going to get into marriage, parenting, and community. And there we're going to have a lot of fun. And we're going to get stuck, especially into marriage. I think we're going to stay there for a while. <laughs> that was funny. Sorry, you guys didn't hear her chirp. Uh, she said, you should stay there. <laughs> um, 
So last week I showed you this as well. I'm just going to quickly go through this again. How, does the founda- how do the foundations impact identity? First of all, repentance does it because you realize that you're a sinner in need of a Savior and you choose to turn away from your old self and to God. It impacts, or salvation impacts your identity because you now know I am saved by grace through faith and I am now a child of God, crying out by the spirit of adoption, Abba, Father, I know I'm a child of God. Faith impacts identity because now I've received a gift of faith and I can choose to exercise it exclusively in my relationship with God by putting all my faith that I have received in Him and Him alone. Lordship and obedience means Jesus is Lord, Christ, and King of who I am, my identity. And now I realize it, I accept it, and I do what He says. Water baptism, what we're going to do later today. I'm so excited. My old man is washed away, literally and spiritually. I'm a new creation. Holy Spirit comes and gives me power as a new person in God. Spiritual family helps me grow, and discipleship makes me more mature. All right? These are all so important when, we, when it comes to identity. All right. I'm going to do my utmost to keep this message to half an hour. But I need you to help me and focus and listen. All right? Don't see me speaking. See God speaking to us all. Amen? All right. I want to ask you four questions. Who am I? Well, I want you to ask these questions to yourself. <laughs> Who am I? Why am I here? What is my message? And to whom is my message? In the answer to these questions lies the beginning of the discovery of our identities. But we all ask these questions no matter where we come from. In some way, shape, or form, you ask these questions. The question is, these four, but also (laughs) the question is, where do you go to for the answers? to these questions and my invitation to all of us today is to only go to God to answer these very very important questions we are living we're all living from an identity all of us here if I if I ask you who are you what are you typically going to say your name right and then the typical thing is like, oh, so what do you do for a living and then you know this is what I do and then most people stop there and they, they put you they pigeonhole you The way you spoke to them, the way you look, your name, where you say you come from, and the work you do, people go, they put you in a a thing. My wife from her profession will tell you that the stats show that people make a first impression of who you are within one and a half second. One and a half second. They go, this is this this kind of person. But what you are displaying comes from an identity that you believe you are, okay? It's either our true identity given and ordained by God or it's a false identity based on lies we picked up along the way. Or it's somewhere in the middle. I know, it's not always an extreme. It could be, you know, you kind of know that God loves you and you're a child of God, but there's so much of the stuff from your past that keeps pulling you back to a bad place. Can anyone, three of you, okay. I have another question for you. Do you know what abuse is? What is abuse? It comes from two words, abnormal use. So the abnormal use of something is abuse. So something has an intended purpose. It was created for a reason. Now, if you don't know what that reason is, and you look at a thing and you go, this looks like I can play with it and throw it to someone. You have the wrong idea, right? So you're going to abuse this thing. That's what abuse is. Do you get it? All right. To use it correctly, you need to know why it was created and what for. What is that thing's identity and what is its purpose. Now, in the same way, I want you to really think about this. If you and I don't know our true identity and our true reason for existence, then there's the chance that we will actually abuse 
ourselves. We will apply ourselves in an abnormal way, away from the norm that God set for us. That's what the ab from abnormal means, away from, okay? So if you don't know who you are, or you think you do and you're wrong, you're going to abuse yourself. But more than that, if you don't know what the person next to you, your neighbor, your spouse, your brother, your sister, your children, other people that work with you, if you don't know what their identity is and what God intended for them, what will you do? You will abuse them. Because if you, if you treat someone the way they look, based on the way they look, based on the way they, where they come from, and you only use that information, and you don't look at them through God's eyes, you will abuse them. Now, obviously, there's the extreme where people are physically abused because whoever is doing the abusing is hurt. They will hurt themselves, and now they are hurting someone else because they don't see their own value, and they don't see that person's value. Can you see that? Is it breaking through? Some of you feel abused. You feel abused. And you don't know why. It could be either because you don't know who you really are and you're functioning in an identity, but it's the wrong identity. And there's a frustration in you, like something is missing, something is wrong, and I don't know what it is. It's, it's actually all of who you are telling you, <laughs> you believe some lies. And you've allowed certain things to define you that's not right. One of the devil's main strategies is to lie to people about their identity. It's his main, one of his main strategies. He's coming after your worth. He's coming after your sense of belonging. And all those kinds of things. It has always been the case. And one of the, we'll talk about this when we talk about marriage and parenting. But one of the best ways he can do that is to, is to take away your father in some way. Absent fathers, abusive fathers, whatever it might be, is one of the best ways where the devil comes and says, see, you're not worth it. Or, don't have a, don't have a home, I'm an orphan, uh, I want to belong to something, belong to a gang. Because there you'll get some kind of affirmation, some kind of sense of belonging. It's a lie. It's not who that person is. Are you getting it? He's always been after identity, but it seems to me when I look at the world right now that the gloves have come off and it's like going to a next level. And, and it's, it's even coming to, he's even attacking basic biology. The basic core of, of who we are and what God created. People are now thinking, hmm, maybe there is more than two genders. What? Seriously? This is not even a biblical argument. It's a scientific argument. You don't even have to go to the Bible. You can be what you want to be. Let the universe tell you who you should be. Live your truth. It feels good, so do it. If someone uses these clips in isolation, it'll be interesting. And it escalates in some people's minds to, you, to, to a place where they can either go totally arrogant and like, I'm, a, I'm, I'm this and I'm that, and they think they are a kind of a god, or it can go to the total opposite place where they think they have no worth and they should rather die. And then the spirit of suicide comes into someone's life. Because what does the devil want? He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. You, me, people. If he can get you to believe that you are worth nothing and that God does not love you, then he has won. And if you are in a community of believers and you are believing that, then in some way, shape, or form, the community of believers may have failed you. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that has happened to any one of you or any one of you online. We hear about a lot of people say, I got hurt in the church. That can mean many things. 
But what happens is a lie gets an open door and you start defining yourself through the lie or lies that you are believing. My heart's desire is that we will all have an encounter with God today where we can see ourselves through His eyes and other people. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got was from a pastor friend of mine way back when we were still living in Joburg. He told me that he had a revelation to when he meets anyone new, any new people, he would just quietly in his, in his, in his heart, in his spirit, man, he would say, Holy Spirit, show me how you see this person. And then from that place, communicate. Not based on what they're wearing, where they come from, how they look, what they say. Based on what is God saying. Wouldn't you love for people to treat you that way? We all need to realize that we are affected by life's baggage. The things that have happened to us. The issues we pick up along the way. My wife always says, we all have issues. If you think you don't have an issue, then that is your issue. It looks different for each and every one of us. From an objective point of view, one person's baggage could look like it's not that bad. Whereas another one seems more serious and hectic and like, wow, I can't believe you, gone, you went through that. I've, I've had on my talk show, Love Unlocks, I've spoken to people from many different backgrounds. And, I've, and the one thing, I, and recently I spoke to a guy who, who grew up in, in, a, in a house where his father was an alcoholic and he was abusive. Like the worst of the worst. And his mom um, left and eventually, no, she didn't. Yeah, she left him and then she died. She passed away. And he had to go to an orphanage as a high school kid. And this is the stuff that he had to go through. And you look at that and you go, man, I've got nothing to complain about, right? And my mom always has this thing where she says, if, 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 you, if, if everyone you look up to and think, man, I wish my life was like theirs. If you actually had to stand next to them and everyone was able to unpack all their issues and problems. And you see that in the context of what you thought you want, you may say, it's okay, I'll take my, my, my stuff back, <laughs> right? Because we all have stuff. The, the point I'm trying to make is, however big or small your baggage may look to other people, it is still your baggage. And it needs to be acknowledged and it needs to be dealt with, okay? Romans 12, God tells us that we need to renew our mind continually that is a process of sanctification i firmly believe that we are not defined by our circumstances you are not defined by where you were born the family you were born in the things that have happened to you it does not define you what does define you is how you react to those circumstances i know that might be a difficult one to swallow some people want to rather go to the victim mentality yeah but I can't help where I grew up. I can't help this. I can't help. Yes, that's true. You, you couldn't help what, where you started. But when we read from Acts 26, I think it's verse 17, God says that he planned ahead of time where every person, every, first he says everyone was born of Adam. Every person, every tribe, every tongue. And then he said he decided and allocated where should each one of us be born, what time, what place. So it was predestined. Okay? Some of you will struggle with that idea. But so we need to know that where we are doesn't define us. It's God that defines us. It's how we react to the circumstances we actually go through. Um, the problem is that most people experience their most profound hurts at a young age when most of us do not have the knowledge or discernment of how to correctly handle the difficult things. So you grow up, the circumstances are tough, and you just don't know how to deal with it. Because the people that were maybe supposed to raise you, protect you, guide you, nurture you, in the worst possible cases, though, it could be those people that are actually doing the hurt thing. And then what do you do? But I'm, I firmly believe that God is in the game, the, the business, sorry, of reconciliation and redemption. And no matter where you come from, no matter what your baggage might be, God can, can turn any, anything around. What is impossible with man is possible with God. I've seen in my own life and I've seen in other people's lives when they just come humbly before God 
and we ask Holy Spirit to show us where does this stuff come from? He shows. And when people get the revelation, they get free. Amen? We've spoken about this repenting and getting saved is step one into a life of obedience and lordship and into a life of maturing as a Christian. These things I'm talking about don't happen all at the same time. Yes, some people experience immediate freedom from addictions, whatever, at the moment of salvation. But for some, it's a process. And it depends on how you approach this and who's walking with you. I don't know each and every one of you and how you think of yourselves. I can't know that, but God does. But what I do know is that you do have a view of yourself. You have a way that you look at yourself, think of yourself. That We can all agree on that. And I know that it has been influenced or formed by your circumstances, the baggage of your life, the things you've gone through, good and bad. It has all, all been com- communicating something to you about who you are. And how you view yourself today and who you are will be a direct result of how you chose to react to those hurts. For example, let's say as a, as a small child, you were abused in some way. You sit with that hurt. You sit with that shame. You sit with that guilt. Someone did that to you. It was out of your control. Okay? Now, later in life, you, you, have, you get to a point where you maybe say, I love Jesus. I want to walk with Jesus. And there's freedom in that. But you're still struggling with this one thing. And it could be that you struggle to forgive that person. It could be that you just think because of what happened, God doesn't love me. It could be any of those things. Now you can either, through the gospel, choose to believe that God can free you from this thing, or you can turn bitter towards God and towards people and never forgive that other person. And then that has all kinds of other effects. Many, many, many cases of cancer, for example, can be related back to a heart position, a hurt that faces and faces and later on manifest in the body. Each one of us has a memory of the most traumatic thing that has ever happened to us. And for most people, it has marked our lives. And how we responded to that hurt or later on to that hurt has a big impact on who we are today. The times that Aleta and I have counseled people Sometimes it happens very spontaneously. We're just in a conversation and someone drops something and you go, what is, what, what, where does that come from? Why do you think that? Why do you believe that? And the one time we, someone uh, stayed with us for a few days, it was a, a young lady, and she at one point went up to a letter and said, listen, I hear you guys keep talking about, you know, hearing God and doing what God said and whatever. She's like, how do you hear God? <laughs> and we were just being ourselves, you know, and... Um, Aleta started counseling, and at one point I get a WhatsApp, Aleta says, you need to come. <laughs> and then we started counseling and speaking to her, and at one point I just felt God lead me to say, to ask her, what is the most traumatic thing that has ever happened to you? And she said to me, when I was 13, my dad left, and I've never cried since. Now she was in her late 20s or early 30s. That's a long time for a woman not to cry. So I said to her, do you want to be free? She said, yes. I said, do you, do you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior today? Yes. Okay, so we lead her to Jesus. He gives her life to Jesus right there and then. I said, so the next very important step is that you forgive your father. I said, do you think you can do that? I tell her, now that you've accepted Christ, you have access to supernatural strength to do something like this. She says, yes, I'm ready. So I lead her in a prayer. I say, imagine your dad is standing before you and you speak to him. You say, dad, what you did, it really, it hurt me. It messed my life up. But today, in the name of Jesus, I choose to forgive you. The moment she said, dad, tears started rolling down her face. And she cried. She cried for a while. And he could see it was tears of freedom. Tears of being set free from that stuff. I want you to know that's, that's, that's possible for each and every one of us. This next thing is very, very important. Your identity has been established before the foundation of the earth was laid. We're going to see that in Scripture just now. 
It is set by God, your heavenly Father, who created you and therefore knows you the best. It is settled. It cannot change. Amen? But the baggage of life, pain, hurt, all that stuff, can cause us to form a wrong, counterfeit version of our identity. We will live the identity that we most believe to be true. What do you most believe is true about who you are? Or maybe who other people are? And unfortunately for the average person, this usually translates to a substandard, subpar version of who they were originally designed to be. Those of you who have kids, have you ever had a moment where, I know my kid's potential is this, but they did this. And you're like, you can do better than that. And they go, eh, I don't know if I want to. Or you get the, you know, the eye roll. Imagine what God feels like when he sees this for you. And you're like, you know, like doing something little with your life. And he's like, but, but what are you doing? <laughs> there must be a frustration. I'm imagining a frustration. When we do know who we truly are, we will create an identity we can cope with and sell to people around us. Sorry, let me phrase that. When we do not know, apologies, when we do not know who we truly are, we will create, form an identity that we can cope with and we can sell to other people. And most people will buy what we're selling. But those who really care and love you, they will see through it and keep on calling out the gold in you and, and say, that's not who you are. Why are you doing that? So then you might try and cancel those people in your life, which is not healthy. Thank God that he has given us his word through which we can discover who we are meant to be. From his word, we can see that he planned all of us from the beginning of creation and that he knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb. It's amazing, guys. It's amazing. But what we do and, and, uh, but what we do and what does, sorry, but what do we do and what does the world teach us? The world teaches us, if you don't know who you are, go find yourself. I've heard of some people who found themselves in India or China. I was lost and then I found me in China. Um, but you've heard that, right? People, I needed to go find myself, you know. So I just, I went to the mountain and I walked very far. I don't have anything against a great experience. You can have a wonderful experience. I can do it like Nathaniel. And it was just <laughs> I found myself offended. Okay, that wasn't my best one. Anyway. Okay, let's get back. Let's get back. Here we go. I have 10 minutes. We either believe what God says or we believe what the world says. And a lot of times, most of the time, what the world is trying to do or say or communicate to us sounds more convenient and comfortable. Because typically it means we can run away from having a real conversation with God. But all any of us really need to do, instead of trying to go find yourself out there, is to take a short trip, very short trip, bend your knees, fall to the ground. Stand on your knees, humble yourselves before the living God. Take up His Word, the Word of God. Choose to make your heart fertile soil. Be obedient Read what it says about who we are as the children of God and believe it and apply it. It means nothing if you just read it and don't take it to heart and make it part of who you are. From this humble posture, this position of truly finding yourself, where we are receptive to the truth of God, we can discover our true identity in Him and we can get to know Him better as we get to know him better, we get to know ourselves better. And we learn how to look at our neighbors through God's eyes. Amen? Why do you think God said the first two commandments, that are, or the two commandments that are most important is love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said that's the two most important commandments. And in that, 
all the laws and prophecies are, are held. Why? Because if you love God, and we've established this over and over and over again, loving God doesn't mean I believe in Him like there is a God. That's not loving God. That is just saying, like agnostic people say there is a God. There must be a God. The devils believe there's a God and they tremble. Just believing that he exists is not enough. It's about believing that he is God, that he created me, that he loves me, and that he has a plan for my life, and then I choose to love him back. Amen? Okay. Apart from God, we cannot know our true identity given by him. Just look at the world, the mess that the world is in, because they've taken God out of schools, out of universities, out of everything. So what are they? Running around trying to figure out who are we? And are they making up nonsense, absolute nonsense, about who we are? Why? Because people are hurt. But now, hurt people are tired of asking for help to get fixed. So rather than trying to get healing from what they know actually they're not supposed to be, they're trying to justify who they are. The false counterfeit version of themselves, and now they're trying to force everybody to accept it. It's a whole bunch of sin nonsense. And we as the church have to stand up against this. Not by trying to fight them, but by believing it. And standing firmly on the word of God. And when people have these crazy arguments, you could just say, I hear you. Do you know what the word of God says? The word of God, separately I want to say this. The word of God tells us when we speak to unbelievers, we need to be kind. And we need to be respectful. It also says we need to be as wise as serpents and as gentle as doves. So be clever, okay? When you speak to an unbeliever and they start saying these weird things, you just keep sharing your testimony, saying this is what the Word of God says. It's amazing what will happen if you speak truth in love to such a person. Anyway, I'm running out of time. Let's go to God's Word. That is what we're going to end off with. And I want, I want this, these scriptures to just flood your spirit being. And I want you to choose to believe what it says about who you are when you say you're a Christian. Amen? Amen? Come on. All right. First one, I need, I'm giving this one because it establishes who God is as a loving God with a plan for His people. All right? You all know it. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. What does love do? Love gives. Love sacrifices. Love lays down. It is unconditional that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What does perish mean? Perish mean it means eternal death apart from God. Ephesians 1 verse 3 to 12. This is probably for me one of the most important verses. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now the title for today's message is Chosen and called, right? Chosen and called. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Having, listen to this word, predestined. You have a destiny that was worked out beforehand. He predestined you to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ Himself. His plan all along was to make all of us sons and daughters of the living God through Jesus, according to the good pleasure of His will. This is what He wants, to the praise of the glory of His grace and by which He made us accepted. You have a place where you belong. It is called the beloved. It's called the kingdom of God. In Him, we have redemption through His blood. It is settled. The forgiveness of sins, we have it. It is done according to the riches of His grace, which, we, which He made abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will. Who wants to know what God's will is? He has made it known to us. You can know the will of God. That's huge. According to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. That includes us. He wants us to bring together in Him. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance. What is an inheritance? 
It's what you rightfully receive as the offspring of a father or a mother or a family. It is rightfully yours. It's an inheritance. Once again, we see that word being predestined according to what? The purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That we who first trusted in Christ should be the praise of his glory. What is the point of us? To glorify God. What is our main goal in life? Our main reason for existence? To praise and worship God. And within that general purpose and identity, we find our specific identity that he laid before the earth began. Ephesians 4 verse 1 to 6. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. This is strong language. He's like, come on, you have to believe this. To walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. We have been called, but we need to walk worthy of that calling. With a lowliness and gentleness. What did I say? How do you find yourself? Short trip, knees to the floor. That's how you find yourself. Humble yourself before God. With long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. How many of you enjoy bearing with one another in love? Uh, That's a tough one, eh? We like to skip over those words. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It's talking about unity in the body of Christ. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Come on. Who are you? If you are in Christ, this is who you are. If you are not in Christ, it's a step away. It's a faith step away. Romans 8, verse 28 to 30. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. There is again, do you love Him? What does that mean? He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Ooh. We like to quote this verse for like, I'm going to get that house, I'm going to get that car, I'm going to get that whatever. All things work together for good. That good has nothing to do with your material wealth and everything to do with the kingdom of God. To those who are called according to His purpose, if you're in Christ, you can know you've been chosen, you've been called, you have a purpose. For him who foreknew, for whom he foreknew, he knew you before the foundation of the world. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. For whom he foreknew, that's us, people in God, he predestined, there's that word again. For what? Why did he predestine us for? To be conformed to the image of his son. What? How many, of you, how many of you have read that and just like glanced over that? Who are you? You are predestined to be conformed, be like, become like the image of his son, like Jesus. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God has a plan. Jesus is the firstborn of what? Many brethren, believers, disciples that came after him. You don't get it. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, he also justified, made them right through the blood of Jesus. And whom he justified, he glorified. How many of you feel justified? How many of you feel glorified? If you don't, then you haven't really received this truth. And you're not walking in the fullness of what God has died for and what he has invited you into. Amen? 1 Peter 1, verse 22 to 23. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, in other words, this is settled. You are born again. I've read this before. Not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. 1 Peter 2. Therefore... Now, this is who you are not in Christ, laying aside all, 
malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking. <coughs> Excuse me. As newborn babes, listen to this. What should we be doing? Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow. Thereby, if indeed you have tasted the Lord as gracious, in other words, if indeed you are saved, coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen, chosen by God, and listen to this word, precious. Not that weird one from Lord of the Rings, my precious. You are beautifully precious to God. He purposed to make you for a time such as this. You are living stones. Um, Barry, quickly go to that slide of the title of the message, Chosen and Called. I know it's a way up now, sorry. I just want you to see this, this picture. I chose that specifically because it's a, it's a stone wall. And I want you to get an idea that we are these stones that are building the house of God. But we are living stones. Amen? Living stones. Okay, let's go back to this verse. We are being built up as a spiritual house. What does being mean? It means it's, it's a process. Now listen to this. We are part of a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it's also contained in the scripture, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. Now listen to this. Here he explains that there are people who are going to accept Jesus and to, to them is the chief cornerstone. And there are those who are going to reject Jesus. And to him is a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. There isn't a middle ground. He doesn't mention any other kind of stone. It's the same stone with two different effects. There isn't a middle ground. You either accept him and he's your chief cornerstone of your life that your identity is built upon. Or you reject him. And he's a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. What is the world currently highly offended by? The word of God. We are fighting a bill in this country that if it goes through, if I say something from the word of God from this pulpit and any other preacher in this nation says something from the word of God that someone in this nation finds offensive, they can be taken to court. In some countries, in some uh, counties of countries, the word of God has been labeled hate speech. This is the world we live in. It is a rock of offense to those who don't believe. Don't be surprised when the world gets upset about Jesus and his truth. Get excited to lead them to Jesus. I want to skip down to this verse. But you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Listen to these words, chosen generation, royal priesthood, holy nation, own special people. Why? That you may proclaim the praises of him. It should be very clear to all of us how much God loves us, how he has plans for each and every one of us that goes beyond the confines of time and that in him we can discover our true identities and live them to in his service of his kingdom. I want you to say this after me. I am chosen by God. Okay, now say it as, you, as if you believe it. All right? I'm going to try that again. I am chosen by God. I am called by God. I believe it. I receive it. It is settled in my spirit. Amen. <laughs> okay. Baby, can you hear your geest? Please stand. We, we don't have a lot of time. I know that. We need to go baptize some people. But I, 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 we need to take a moment where we let these scriptures speak to us, minister to us, and change the way we see ourselves. You may even be here today 
or online and feel I'm quite settled in who I am in Christ. I'm mature. I know a lot of stuff. But God can still show you something. He can still show you that in some area you believe a lie. Let's humble ourselves. Let's find ourselves by taking that journey of our knees to the floor and saying, Lord, show me. I'm just going to give us a minute or so. Close your eyes. I know it's difficult. The kids are restless, but try and focus. Try and focus. Thank you, Jesus. We're just going to give a few moments of just music. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak to each one here right now and online, that you will minister to their hearts. I want you to ask you that you will shine a light on any lies that anyone may believe about who they are. I thank you right now, Holy Spirit, that you will minister their eternal worth into their spirits, that they will see you through your, see themselves through your eyes, that they will see you for who you really are, and that they will accept the finished work on the cross. I come against every sense of guilt and shame and unworthiness and I cancel it right now in the name of Jesus. I come against every thought and every spirit of suicide. I come against every addiction that is holding people back and in the name of Jesus Christ, the name above all names, I cancel that now in Jesus' name. I thank you that veils are lifted, eyes are opened, the eyes of understanding is opened. And I ask that you bring your freedom, Jesus. Your freedom, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. these people. I thank you for our church. I thank you for our ministry. I thank you for everyone online. I thank you that you were here with us today, that you ministered to us. And I pray that you will stay with us, lead us in this week to come. Lord, I thank you that you bless every marriage, every family, every child, every household that is represented here today. And I thank you that you help us all to always live from our true identity based in you, with our eyes firmly fixed on Jesus and in the Word of God. I pray that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church podcast, Message of the Week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.